People of the world, welcome to Marketing as a Foreign Language, episode 245. Oh, it's going to be a good one. We're going to start with the social media news of the day. Did you know that Google is delivering, unveiling the first folding Pixel phone? It's apparently still on track for this 2021 glorious year. It's basically a smartphone that's a flip phone. Just like that, which is a bit ridiculous, but also kind of cool. Twitter may be close to launching super follows as new research shows what it could look like. I've talked about on the show before that I am not too bullish on Twitter, but I'm beginning to change my mind. A lot of these social media platforms are finding inventive ways to drive revenue. Super follows would be one of those things. I don't know if you knew this, but Facebook is until 2023 giving folks the uh, opportunity to earn all of the streaming revenue. Alejandro, shout out to you in chat. What that means is if you're on Twitch, which is a Jeff Bezos owned company uh, via Amazon and you're a streamer and someone subscribes for $5, you get about half of that $2.50. Facebook is saying, hey, look, we're going to give you the full $5 until 2023. They're trying to take a lot of market share away. Final news piece before we... Uh, introduce our incredible guest today is Biden revoking and replacing the Trump ban on TikTok and WeChat. In previous episodes, we talked at length about how Trump uh, and TikTok were battling one another. They're still not completely out of hot water, but TikTok, I do believe, is here to stay. I did my first TikTok just yesterday, believe it or not, and I got over 500 views and 38 likes. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, uh, thank you very much. Uh, on the show today, we have a Penn State <laughs> graduate. Oh, she's smart, ladies and gentlemen. She is currently the Chief Content Officer at Pulse Athletic Apparel. She's a creative. She's a poet. She is uh, a first-time interviewee. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is going to be good times. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Paulina Cahigo. Let's go. That was the best introduction I could have ever asked for. Thank you. Paulina. Hey, Brad Hess in chat. Uh, thank you, Brad. Brad writes, I really like the news update before the interview. And I really like Brad. Do you know what Brad's number one quality is? Yeah. How awesome he is. Number two is he's tall. Paulina. So um, you, uh, as the chief content officer for Pulse Athletic Apparel, do what? Precisely. Blogging, I assume. Do you do press releases? What's the marketing strategy? Um, essentially, anything that involves copy, I have my hands in. Um, you know, the chief content officer title is a little gratuitous because I it's really just me <laughs> doing everything. <laughs> With a team of 4,000 employees. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anything on social media, I manage our socials, I do our press releases, I do our, you know, crafting our elevator pitches and creating decks when we are, um, you know, presenting to VCs and things like that, basically. And if it's content, if it's copy, it's me. Right. So are you actually writing the content or are you outsourcing it to a writer and then editing it and getting it on the site? Um, it's me. It's I write it. I source it. I interview the people. I, you know, create um, content calendars. I figure out what content is going out every month. And that's, yeah, it's like I get another full-time job on top of my full-time job. Yeah, I get that. So let's talk a little bit about lives, TikTok, 
Instagram. So when we say content, we're talking about the whole shebang, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, mostly writing based, but the video content, um, we try to generate from like user generated content. And we have a few brand ambassadors that help provide us with like photos and videos and things like that. Um, sometimes though, Krishma, she's the founder and CEO of False Athletic Apparel. She and I will go out and um, take photos of like, the products and of us actually in the products um, and creating those types of content. So let's talk a little bit about SEO. Um, are you keeping an eye on where you rank for certain terms? Is that your, under your purview? Um, yes and no. I have like a broad um, overview of that, but it's really Karishma who handles kind of the how we're ranking on you know our search searches and things like that. Um, for me, it's really concentrating on the social media aspect of it. Um, but SEO is something that I just have like a general understanding of. It's one of those things that I'm learning something new about it every day. Mm -hmm. So you obviously have a lot of photos at your disposal. I assume Pinterest is a big deal for your company. Am I wrong? That's actually something we are getting into. Um, we were really concentrating on Instagram the first you know, few months. And even now, um, we get a lot of our traffic from Instagram. And Pinterest is something we're exploring. Um, and we definitely see the value of it. And it's really surprising to see how many brands are on Pinterest and generating not only, you know, leads and sales from it, but just engagement in general. Um, so it's definitely something we're looking into. Yes, I would be happy to help you with that. So I had a website called whateverydogdeserves.com, which was an experiment because I wanted to see outside of the B2B space, which is where I find myself all of the time, um, which is so boring and so not viral 99% of the time. Like, hi, I, I do marketing for a small business. This is not the same as a like scrumptiously cute little corgi. You know what I mean? These are two different worlds or like babies or what you're doing, which is apparel. It's way sexier. It's way more interesting. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to do dogs and see if I can blow it up. And we were getting like a million impressions on Pinterest. Like it was, it was not hard to get a lot of reach. And what I learned is that if you create a long form blog, thousand words, they say throw in like 20, 30 pictures, you can link all of those pictures from Pinterest to that specific blog post. Mm -hmm. And every time someone repins that picture on Pinterest, which they are way more likely to do, than to hit the share button on Facebook. Repinning is very normal, it's ubiquitous, people don't, it's not like they feel like they're giving up their firstborn to hit the repin button. Um, then uh, what you're doing is replicating that link and that photo is understood, understood by Google's API, um, which can see photos. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. so, so number of links, the actual image itself, results in ranking in Google for some of these terms, we ranked for dogs that don't shed, right? I did, I did a blog post of like a hundred dogs that don't shed dot, dot, dot much. Um, and so there's a lot that you could do on Pinterest that would generate a ton of traffic, um, but it would also get you to rank in Google. So it's, it's a two for one. Um, and uh, what was the other thing I want to say about that? Um, 
Pinterest is the second largest referrer of traffic outside of Facebook. So there's no other website on the planet other than Pinterest that gets more people to click off of it and onto mm -hmm. your website than Pinterest. And so when you were ranking for Google, were you on the first page? Yeah, it was number one. We ranked number one nationally. Yeah, we ranked number one nationally for dogs that don't shed. And so we were getting like 300 to 400 visits a day. Um, mm. And it would go straight to the blog post. And the blog post was just like 90 pictures. It was the breed and then a Wikimedia Commons. So we did it the right way. We didn't just steal images, mm. like <laughs> an image of that dog breed. And it was just alphabetical. And you just, and, and what happens is, when you create a post that like that, it's gigantic. And so people just scroll and scroll and scroll. So time on site is so high. And then when you finally get to the bottom under the little Pinterest share, it was like 26,413 because mm. every time someone would repin on Pinterest, it would show up in that little share bar on the bottom of the blog. And so it just looks like this spectacular. So we saw that and we put that under the top of the post. So the second people saw it, they saw the list, they saw these incredible social, me social media numbers and then they would just spend forever on the page. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's so interesting because that's it's at its core, it's such like a sweet post of you know 90 pictures of dogs, but it does provide value. Yeah. Those, are, those are things that people are looking for. Yeah, people want like this give me it's the comprehensive list of dogs that don't shed much. So I don't know what um, what the equivalent would be in your world. I'm sure listicles are like constant, like XYZ summer fashions or shoes that are good for tennis or I don't know. Give me examples. Give me some headlines of, of content that you write. Um, well, so Pulse is very much about like wellness and living your life in a way that is very intentional and authentic. And a lot of the content that we've been putting out has been inspired by our brand ambassadors. Um, one of them is a yoga instructor, and she, you know, gave us a few tips on how to, you know, stay intense, like in your intentions and, you know, kind of combat the effects of lockdown and your mental health. Um, we had another brand ambassador who was the inspiration for our partnership with the American Heart Association for American Heart. I love Heart that. Heart. Yep. And he he really um, he got involved with it after his own um, you know journey with his heart health, and we put made a feature on him, and it kind of turned into a whole month long partnership of where we were providing content and resources for you know heart health and kind of information that people don't think about because here's someone who is young and healthy, but dealing with these issues, um, and kind of bringing that content forward and that information forward and bringing it to a wider audience and trying to get things, trying to get people to think about things that they wouldn't normally do. Um, and I know Karishma has been doing a lot of these kind of interviews as well and kind of getting us out there. And really the message that we're trying to put across is, you know, our goal in terms of making everything inclusive and having this like representation that's also um content that we're trying to put out but not but in a smart way and in a thoughtful way um we also have some content with our um, brand ambassadors and we've partnered with a lot of yogis and dancers and you know providing clothing that helps them move i think they are a an athlete 
kind of if, of sorts that often is like underrepresented in the fitness and wellness industry. Are you talking about yogis or dancers? Because those are two very different um, things. And when you say yogi, okay. <laughs> and when you say yogis, are you talking about people that practice yoga? Mm -hmm, yes, um, we have a few yogis on in our random on our brand ambassador team. Um, some who are instructors as well. Okay, because when you say yogi, I envision like a seventy-two-year-old uh, Indian man <laughs> who is okay. like in in a mountain top, who's enlightened, and you know, um, he has like a sparrow sitting on his shoulder as he like, eats rice. That's what I think of when it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's I remember. people who practice yoga. Okay, then. <laughs> okay, guys. So like strip mall, Starbucks. Um, I kid. So um, all right. So yogis got it. So. What's interesting to me about your marketing strategy is that it, I don't want to say it relies heavily on, but you've definitely gone by way of influencers. You say the word brand ambassador. In my experience, those relationships are not cheap. Um, a lot of these folks with, with legitimate reach charge a pretty penny to um, access their audience. Um, are you comfortable sharing any numbers or your experience with these folks? Kind of what that's like to, to get somebody because obviously they want the money. Don't get me wrong. I mean, mm -hmm. they're not doing this for free. You know, this is how they, they, right. uh, they pay their mortgages. Um, has it been more expensive than you thought it would be? Do you get good return on investment? How do you measure that return on investment? So actually um, we've been very fortunate to partner with both brand ambassadors and influencers who provide their time for free. Oh, um, how? How have you done this thing? <laughs> what strange witchcraft do you know that I don't know? Um, well, free is a relative term. We do like our influencers will, you know, set exchange like a free product for a post or our brand ambassadors, um, we've really connected to them. Um, they are friends of ours um, who okay. are just willing to help us and they're like kind of in this fit, health and fitness space already. And um, we, in terms of influencers, um, Charisma has really been a big connector in terms of that. She, so her background is in biology. She's got, a master's degree in um, entrepreneurship, but she's actually also going to med school. Um, right. Sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> she, yeah, so she, she, she lacks ambition and she's generally a couch <laughs> potato and lazy. Got it. Um, but so she, you know, connects with influencers and we've been connecting with doctors, primarily like nurses, people in the healthcare industry. And she kind of, has really just been connecting with them on a personal level and kind of telling her story, Pulse's story and connecting to them in that way. And mm -hmm. I think that really resonates with people and like people really see what Pulse is trying to do and they believe in what we're trying to do. And so we've been fortunate enough to align with people who see our vision and want to help us. Um, yeah, and it just sounds like she's a force. And then how you see, mm -hmm. keep saying her name, and I keep hearing Krishna, but is it Krishma oh. with an M? Yes, Karishma. Karishma. Yes. Okay, thank you. Yeah, because uh, I'm I'm familiar with Krishna, the Hindu god. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got Karishma. Got it. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so Karishma is just. I mean, it sounds like 
you've found quite an opportunity because she is just a force. Oh, and there's, absolutely. There's no, there's no um, substitute for that. Um, just so, someone's willingness to put forth a vision and just grind through these. I, that's not the right word to describe it to so, so many seeds of a relationship. Um, so do you, do you ever find yourself doing what she's doing? Networking, making the, building these relationships and sort of emulating her strategies? Um, I definitely admire her ability to connect with people. Um, and I'm, I learn things all the time just by watching her. Um, and she really does handle more of like the face-to-face interaction. Um, but I have been more so getting into forming those partnerships myself. And mm-hmm. this is and kind of putting pulse on the on my own platforms and things like that. And this is this interview here is the first step toward doing that. Um, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's, it's different. I, I had a salesperson on and I, I don't mean for this to sound sort of like, I don't know what the word is described like elitist. And, and I might just be wrong about this. Tell me if I'm wrong about this. So <clears throat> I was talking to this sales guy and over the course of the last year, I finally gotten to a point where I can hire like a VP of sales. And so in, in my head, I was like, Oh, okay. They're taking sales. Right, I'm, I'm developing a sales force. She's going to be running with it, and she's done an incredible job. Incredible job. I was, but I was talking to this guy, and he said, "No one sells like the owner." And I'm like, "Okay." And I think I I understand the spirit of that, if that makes any sense. Um, so, do you feel like if you were to get ownership in this company, or do you have ownership, um, if that would change your perspective at all on it? I'm not sure if it would change my perspective or make me more passionate about or more interested than I already am. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Krishna and I are friends. We've known each other since middle school. Oh, Um, so you're you're peers. Yeah. Okay. Um, See, I'm envisioning Krishna as this older person, but when you said med school, it didn't quite click. So Karishma is just, so you, did you go to Penn State too? No, she went to um, Loyola University in Chicago. And then she did um, a master's program in, it took her to three different cities um, all over the world. So Okay. But friends since middle school. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. So she was really like the big reason why I got involved um, with Pulse. Um, She, we had lost touch a little bit after um, college or after high school. And, you know, she started Pulse Athletic Apparel and she messaged me out of the blue one day. She knew I was doing content and social media and she wanted to ask me, you know, for some pointers or some tips or just kind of help her understand, you know, content marketing a little bit better. And so we met up and it was like no time had passed and she, was explaining Pulse to me and how she really wanted it to be inclusive and be a representation of not only herself, but of people who are like her and who look like her, who think like her, things like that. And she, I really don't know if I would have gotten involved in a project like this if it weren't for Karishma. 
Um, I just think that some people really have that gift of being able to connect people to, you know, gather people to like inspire people to kind of motivate them. Um, I think if I had more of a sales role, that would be different. That's something that I would be, I guess, conditioned or trained to do. Um, but for me, that kind of relationship building doesn't always come naturally, you know, as a copywriter, as a content writer, that's where my background is. I've, I'm typically behind the scenes, mm-hmm. not really um, doing this, those face-to-face interactions. Right. I was um, the director of operations for a company called Advise Media Group for years and years and years. And I had a moment in a parking lot outside of the agency where the then owner and I were talking about getting a salesperson. Who is this salesperson? What do they look like? Why can't we find a good salesperson? And he looked at me and he's like, dude, you're, you're, the, you're the sales guy. Like, hello, wake up, you know? And uh, I just, I had had PTSD from doing sales when I was younger. I was in a, uh, I took a job selling auto parts on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and it was torture. It was torture. I don't know anything about cars. I'm like, it's got wheels. I'm just so ignorant. And I took this job and it was just brutal. It was like one of the most stressful job experiences that I've, I've ever had. And I equated all sales with that. And mm-hmm. so I was sort of very <laughs> scared mm-hmm. of, um, of sales. And um, when I finally took the plunge, it, it's what bought me autonomy and freedom ultimately is, is jumping over that particular mental hurdle many, many times. And then people are throwing knives at you as you jump over it and then they light it on fire, but you still jump over the hurdles. Um, and then at the end of that, you know, there's a trophy. Um, so I think a lot of folks um, that find themselves in those sort of operational roles feel that way. And for good reason, um, because when you do dive into networking, relationship building, live shows, public speaking, writing a book, being the face, being the personality. Um, yeah, there is a, a, a measurable amount of stress that goes into that. Um, in my experience, it's very worth it. It's, it's a worthwhile investment to do that, to literally change the chemistry of your brain so that it reacts differently to those kinds of stressors. Um, so do you see yourself in the future getting to a point where you're you're doing a lot more of this sort of thing, putting your face out there, selling, networking? Um, if I get over my shyness, absolutely. Um, I, I do admire people who are able to put themselves out there. And I do wish that for myself. And I know that is something that takes a lot of time and effort I know especially for people who aren't naturally that way um but I am here to learn I think though um the more I learn the more I realize there is more to learn um and I think as I get older and I know that I have so much more to learn that makes me almost less confident in my abilities um you know when I was younger I was like yes I I I can do this I know it all and very, I'm so sure of myself, but then I started to learn more and I was just exposed to all these things I didn't know. And that was definitely kind of a reality check for me. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's Dunning Kruger. 
uh, 101. You've heard of that, Stanford psychologist Dunning-Kruger. The, the more, the less information we have, we tend to overestimate how good we are at something. We tend to be more confident when we have less information. The more information we gain, the less confidence we tend to have. And then eventually when you arrive at expertise, um, you tend to project that expertise on other people. So I, I tend to think that people understand how to rank in Google. Like, how do you, how do you not know how, to, you know, it's like baffles me in the same way that a car mechanic's like shocked that people don't know that they have to change their oil. I mean, literally my, like, like how, do you, what are you have to rotate your tires or, um, you know, brakes eventually fail, like stuff like that. People are like, yeah. what? <laughs> what? Um, and the million other things that go into that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just part of getting older. Um, so as I mentioned before, I do like developing a little bit of a chronology of your life. There's only five minutes remaining on the show. Mm -hmm. So we're just gonna get a little bit of information, but uh, what were your parents like? Let's start there. Um, yeah, so my parents, um, they immigrated to the Philippines. Well, my dad immigrated first, um, or from the Philippines. And then he came back for a little while to the Philippines, met my mom. Um, and then I was actually born in the Philippines and I came to America when I was two, almost three. Um, English is actually not my first language, but then I realized I'm not actually very good with languages. I, I used to speak Tagalog, which is the language spoken in the Philippines. I can understand it now, but when I try to speak it, it is a total mess. <laughs> um, but my, my parents were very, I really appreciate the way I was raised because it wasn't like you have to do this and you should do this you to be this. Um, they just kind of let me figure it out what I wanted to do on my own. There wasn't a pressure there. I know there's like a stereotype where Filipinos are naturally like nurses or something like that, you know, and I would never felt that pressure from my parents and they, my mom especially really encouraged writing for me um, and I get like my passion for writing from her. Um, and she would always be the one who took me to the library on the weekends um, and she got me my first library card. Um, so I really put a lot of what I do now, um, I credit that to her. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. No, that's very interesting. I, uh, I there's a, I forget who's the author. His name escapes me, but uh, 10,000 hours is the general principle of once you put in 10,000 hours into something, you you develop enough skill in it to monetize it or you're an expert in it. And many times those things happen in childhood. We develop, we begin to develop those skills in childhood. So it's not surprising to me that you're in content space when the library was a significant portion. And then there's a lot of journalism majors, a lot of English majors that end up in marketing uh, because they realize that this is where the money is ultimately. Mm. Um, there, there are jobs in journalism for sure, but it's either not what they thought it was going to be or it doesn't pay near enough to, to sustain their life or you have to put in 20 years before you can like get anywhere near what you thought you would have initially. And with English majors, especially English majors are like, hey, wait, I just got a degree in a language I speak. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, we have two minutes remaining on the show. I want you to have an opportunity to just shamelessly plug um, your company 
And mm-hmm. so that is what's going to happen now. Tell them uh, how they can reach you and why they should buy from uh, Pulse Athletic. Uh, yeah. So Pulse Athletic Apparel, um, we're all we're on all social media platforms. Um, our main one, the one that we absolutely adore right now, is Instagram. You can find us at Pulse Athletic Apparel, and you can visit our website at um, pulseathleticapparel.com. Um, why I love Pulse is that. At the baseline, we're very much about affordable activewear and making activewear accessible to everybody possible. But there's also this intention behind it of trying to create a space where people feel like they can be in that fitness and health and wellness area. I feel like, um, you know, Krishma had brought up a good point where, you know, yoga is something that originated in India, but there aren't a lot of, you know, well-known yoga instructors in like the Western world who are of South Asian descent. And that is something that we're trying to bridge the gap on. And there is this kind of community that we've built, like our little Pulse family, we like to call it. And it's not just our brand ambassadors or the influencers we work with, but the people who follow us on social media as well um we really do feel connected to them and we get a lot of great feedback and engagement just from like random people that want to tell us that they like our products or that they really like what we're doing and what our you know our mission or message is um and i think that is really the differentiating factor for paul Ladies and gentlemen, Paulina Cahigal on the show today. Put your virtual hands together. She did it. She did it. Um, episode 245. Um, that is the show for today. I'm going to give Paulina, Paulina the final words of wisdom. What do you have to say to the fine folks? Um, well, this was a great first interview. I really appreciate um, your time here. Um, and I guess if I could leave everybody with a few words, um, I guess it'd be to pulse forward and make sure you do everything in your life with intent.